Hey everybody, welcome to Screw the Stock Market. We are doing a little timeout segment before the main interview today, and we just wanted to kind of reconnect. It's been a while since we've done a timeout. Uh, Aziz, what's going on? Um, I mean, crypto is just imploding right now with the whole FTX crypto uh, platform collapse. So just to kind of recap the situation for people, there's a crypto trading platform called FTX. It's one of the top in the world or was until about a couple of weeks ago, sometime uh, in November, early November. Um, a news article came out from a publication called Coindesk which found that there were some weird connections between a crypto hedge fund called Alameda and FTX. And when people started investigating this weird connection in terms of their books, they started finding that apparently what FTX was doing was they were using their investors' money, funneling it to Alameda, and then using their investors' money to basically play with it and invest for themselves. Um, so when people were ready to get their money back, they couldn't because a lot of that money was just gone, just, you know, gambled away in these like strange investments that they were doing. Uh, and that's essentially what it was when, you know, when uh, further people looked into it, it was just a giant gambling ring where they were just gambling with people's money. So that all came out. It caused this huge shock in the crypto world. Um, the CEO of both companies, who's the same person, Sam Bankman-Fried, is now in hot water. Um, it came out that he pretty much has lied to people and no one is able, well, most people are not able to get their money back out now and have had huge, huge losses. And I don't even mean like just regular people. I mean, there's large VC capital, uh, venture capital firms and pension funds, as well as normal average everyday Joe Schmoes like you and myself. So a lot of people and like a lot of industries have been impacted by this. Uh, FTX used to be one of the big boys. So it's causing ripple effects throughout the whole crypto market. Um, people are starting to lose a little confidence and faith. We just saw earlier this week that another crypto uh, company, BlockFi, is now also filing bankruptcy because they were caught up in this whole thing. Um, not directly, but they had some financial ties um, with FTX and that ended up hurting them. So now they're filing for bankruptcy. Um, not that they had done anything wrong. It's just the way that it, you know the whole system is interconnected so that caused issues and then the funny part uh at least that i find is that miami which is the the, the mecca of crypto is having financial difficulties as a result of this because those big big time crypto spenders that all relocated there are now no longer spending big bucks in the clubs and restaurants anymore so the local economy in miami is suffering which i find to be funny i mean it's sad but it's also amusing to think that you know all these people just throwing around crazy amounts of money in these clubs and bars and restaurants has now impacted an entire city so oh, yeah <laughs> what's your take on this alex well first of all i thought the miami economy was based around drug money like scarface kind of stuff but i guess crypto I, i'm <laughs> stuck in the 80s money. you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but uh yeah no it's a new uh it's it's a crypto wall street you know, it's interesting because we've done, I remember at the beginning, we, we were desperately looking for crypto guests. And then we went through a period where we had several, right? Like kind of in a row, we we did, a, I think maybe three or four episodes on crypto. And I don't know, I mean, I think I was always a little bit uneasy because 
some of the things in in the way that people invest in crypto are very similar to the things that people that I dislike about the stock market, right? It's it's the volatility, it's the the hype. Oh yeah, this is going to the roof and I don't want to miss out on it. It's the disconnect from from what is the real value? Like, what is why is this worth anything? Um, and some of the guests right. actually addressed that, right? Some of them did talk about like, hey, this type of crypto technology actually will improve the world in this way. And some of them didn't. Some of them just said, hey, you know, if you play this game and do this math trick, you can get in while it's while it's low and then get out while it's expensive. Um, and, right. and not, not not really throwing shade at any of the guests, but it's just like I'm I'm always still kind of struggling with what is investment and what is speculation, and you know for I think all a of lot us, of crypto. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I think a lot of crypto these days is pretty much speculation. Um, in terms of a lot of the currencies out there, I think really the most stable ones are probably. Um, and I'll probably get a lot of backlash from crypto people, but um, I think either Ethereum or Bitcoin, really, because they're the biggest ones really out there. Um, so in terms of stability, they're, I think, the most stable. And even then, I mean, what's that? Bitcoin has lost like more than half its value in the last year alone. I mean, that's huge. More than a 50% drop. Yeah, and that's a stable yeah. one. <laughs> I mean, I even own, I, I own Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, so I have that like, you know, in, in part of my portfolio, but it's still, I mean, I, I look at it and I'm just kind of like, Ugh. yeah, and I guess, you know, we, we want to keep this little segment short, but you know, one of the things that I think was really interesting that you mentioned was how it connects to our episode, right? Which our, our episode today is about communication and, and speaking with confidence and things like that. And uh, can you share a little bit about kind of your conclusion, uh, which is kind of dangerous, but it's it's interesting. I, I mean, I think being a great communicator is really, really powerful because um, if you if you see Sam Bankman Fried, he's the he's the former founder and CEO of uh, FTX uh, and Alameda, uh, which is the other hedge fund that's involved in this big scandal. He's not, I mean, he just looks like some guy that just came and woke up from a frat house, just completely disheveled, messy, just uncoordinated, like not someone you would think, I'm going to trust all my money with this guy. But apparently he talks a really good game because everyone who has interacted with him said he's such a smart guy. He seems like he's a humanitarian. He's going to change the world. He cares about the world. He's a giver because, I mean, he was talking this big game about like changing the world and giving out all this money to all these like uh, foundations and um, not caring about wealth and trying to do better for the world. And people ate it up, hook, line and sinker. I mean, enough for like major banks to invest with him. I mean, Mark Cuban, a multi-billionaire successful businessman recently just came out and said that, you know, he had spoken to him before and he always thought he was such a good, smart guy. Um, so he was shocked when he found out about the allegations. Um, he convinced major celebrities to work with him. I mean, Shaq, Steph Curry, um, Tom Brady, Giselle, I mean, a whole bunch of people, Naomi Osaka. I mean, you got to be able to communicate well and like talk a good game to get to get to that level. 
so yeah it, it's admirable and i think you know um and that's really interesting that he did it in a way that was focused on like some sort of a public good you know like there's people who you meet in life who are just great salesmen and come across with confidence and hey i'm the best i'm always gonna be the best i'm a winner blah 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 and that's one type of charisma yeah. and communication but that that roundabout um way that that you're saying he did it was really interesting but without further ado i guess you know let's take a listen to our interview where we are interviewing uh um brendan kamarasami um and try to take it and you know don't use this stuff for evil he's going to give us a lot of tools and, and tricks and tips on exercises that we can do to become better communicators and you're responsible for using this for good to make the world a better place really um so please, uh, hope you guys enjoy the show. And it's always um, just great hanging out with my buddy Aziz and and just kind of rapping about what's going on in the world and and um, you know absorbing all these lessons that we that we try to 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 learn from our guests and and on the show. Enjoy, guys. Thank you. Definitely. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Screw the Stock Market, where we talk about alternative investments outside the stock market with the goal of attaining financial freedom and time freedom and really just taking control of our lives. And that's why we're here. So, Aziz, what do you think of our guest today? Uh, today is a good one. Um, it's, a, it's, it's not our traditional wealth the development type session. It's, it, it has to deal with wealth because it's about communication skills and how you can use that to kind of leverage your way into success. Um, whether it's like working in a nine to five, how to get up and through the, the office in the corporate world, or how to, you know, present yourself to investors and network, uh, and just how to be able to comfortably, you know, discuss these things that lead to your dreams with other people um, to kind of help you along the way. So yeah, I, I liked it. I liked it. It's not a, one of our traditional sessions, but it was a good one. Yeah, I, I definitely think it was good. I mean, uh, again, just his name is Brendan Kumarasamy, and he has a YouTube channel that's all focused on communication. And he also offers these uh, bi-weekly, every two weeks, he'll do these uh, workshops where it's a 90-minute workshop. So um, it's very, it's a relatively short episode, but it's full and very concise of just very actionable things that you can do to become a better communicator, that I can do to become a better communicator that we can do to be become better communicators. It's very good. So I hope you get a lot of value from it and enjoy the show. Yeah. Hey there, thank you so much for tuning into the show. You know, it means so much to me and Aziz that you are actually listening, that there's people really listening to the show. Um, we're having fun with it and we hope that you're getting a lot of value too. Education is just one of the first steps that anyone should take when they're on a journey towards financial freedom or personal development. And so it's great. You're doing the right things. Um, I want to suggest a second step that you might want to consider if a lot of the things that we're talking about on the show are resonating with you. Consider visiting our website, legatoinvest.com invest. And there, there's a button where you can click to gain access to our opportunities. And what will happen is you'll schedule a call with us. We'll talk, we'll get on a Zoom, and we'll get to know your, your investment experience, we'll get to know you, we'll, we'll learn about your objectives, and then if it's a good fit, we'll actually start to present you with real investment opportunities from time to time. 
and you'll be in the driver's seat where you can say, no, I don't like that one. And yes, I do like that one. And those real decisions, that means that you're actually in the game towards your financial freedom. So uh, consider visiting legatoinvest.com slash invest. Again, that's L-E-G-A-D-O invest.com slash invest. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Screw the Stock Market, where we talk about alternative investments outside of the stock market with the objective of attaining financial freedom, uh, time freedom, and really taking control of our lives and our futures. So uh, today, I'm really excited. We have Brendan Kumarasamy with us today. He is the host of Master Talk, and he's a coach for ambitious executives and entrepreneurs on how to um, take control and, and really kill it when you are a speaker. Uh, Brendan, we're really excited to have you, man. Thanks for joining. Hey, the pleasure is absolutely mine. You too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, very so, excited. Yeah, tell us a little bit about you know where you came from, how you got to where you are, and then we'll talk about public speaking. Yeah, for sure, Alejandro. So for me, the story started in college, university. I went to business school, and I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age were playing rugby or baseball or football. I wasn't really into any of those things growing up. I did presentations competitively, and that's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, I started to coach a lot of the students on how to communicate ideas. And that's how I got really good at coaching other people on how to communicate. And that's what led to the YouTube channel because I felt that no one was really sharing any of this information for free. So I started mass talk in my mother's basement and then one thing led to another and here we are today. It's, it's actually kind of funny that you, you talk about uh, communication being such a pivotal skill that most people don't really have. Uh, I know working in the professional world, um, both Alex and I, it's one of the things that we find that a lot of times when you're working with so many different people, especially people that are in super high positions, you would think that that's a basic skill that everyone has, but they don't. <laughs> Absolutely right, Aziz. And, and the reason is because there's not enough emphasis on mastering it. You know, in like a business school or university, there might be like one or two classes on it and that's it. But there's not really any accountability to actually become really, really good at it. So completely agreed with that. Yeah. And it, and it's Very. such a pivotal skill for everything, including building wealth, because I mean, a big chunk of building wealth is being able to communicate ideas or network, which really is a huge part of it. And if you can't even, you know, engage in those types of conversations, well, it's 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 a non-starter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh all right, so let's get started. So first of all, I guess I want to clarify. So are, is your focus mostly on public speaking or is it just more presenting in, in any type of setting? The answer is actually both. So I specialize in both Alejandro and Aziz. And I completely agree with the point about wealth. Public speaking and communication is a high income skill because it allows you to convey an idea in a way that it reaches more people. So I'll give you an example. If you're really good at speaking in front of 100 people, you can generate a lot more revenue speaking for one hour versus talking to somebody one-on-one. -on -one. Or if you go to a high net worth event and you meet a lot of high caliber people, if you have the right level of communication, you know how to influence people, you'll be able to upgrade your Rolodex a lot faster. So it'll be much easier for you to build wealth. And that's why communication is so important to masters because it allows you to multiply your net worth. So let's oh, get into man. that. So yeah. how, how does, do how does, yeah. How does one get started in terms of improving their 
their skills in that particular because it's soft skills are those I don't know it's an esoteric kind of thing it's kind of difficult to narrow down I do x y and z and I'm good at this not so much with soft skills it's just I mean I guess you do certain things to get better at it but what are those things that most people are just not aware of absolutely I completely agree with you so let's start, let's set the context first Communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time, guys. One ball is body language, another one's storytelling, another one's smiling, another one is eye contact, one's vocal variety, pacing. It can get really complicated if you try and juggle all 18. So instead, the better question we ask ourselves is what are the three easiest balls to juggle? Because if we can figure that out, it'll be a lot easier for us to bring a more systematic approach to mastering communication. So let's go through those three things. Number one, the random word exercise. Pick a random word like bottle, like water, like cup, like trophy case, and create random presentations out of thin air. The reason this is so effective is because it helps you make nonsense out of nonsense. And if you can make sense out of nonsense, you can make sense out of anything. So it basically helps you think on your feet really quickly. And that's what the random word exercise allows you to do. And that's ball number one. Ball number two is the question drill. We get asked questions all the time in our lives, you two. On a podcast, at work, at school, on sales calls, we get bombarded all the time with questions. But most of us are reactive to those questions. We're not proactive. Example, a few years ago when I started guesting on podcasts, I sucked. I remember some guy asked me the funniest question. He said, hey, Brendan, where does the fear of communication come from? And I looked at him and I said, uh, London, Los Angeles, San Diego. Like I have no idea how to answer the question. So instead of being reactive all the time, every day for five minutes, I would write down and answer one question that I thought the world would ask me about my expertise. But if you do that for five minutes a day with one question and you do that for a year, you'll have answered 365 questions about your industry, about your business, about your services and products. You'll be unbeatable. That's number two. And finally, number three is so simple that nobody does it. All you have to do is make a list of the people that you love, clients, people that you serve. And just send them a video message for 20 seconds and ask, say how grateful you are to have them in your life because that exercise teaches us what communication is for. And if you do all three of those exercises, you'll easily be able to master your communication skills tomorrow. I love that. Yeah. I want to ask you about number one though. Go for it. Coffee mug. What are you what are you, what are you supposed to do with a presentation about that? Absolutely. So for the for the context of the podcast, Alejandro did not give me the word coffee mug prior to this presentation. Now oh, to, totally. And now I have to invite I have to do the exercise, which I'll do right now. <laughs> it's a beautiful Sunday morning, and I'm enjoying a nice cup of coffee. A good old coffee mug to enjoy and start the day. And the reason is because a lot of us try and find joy in the big things. You know, the big amusement parks we're going to visit, the big fights we're going to watch tonight, the big trips we're going to go on. Instead of focusing on that small coffee mug, those little moments in our life where we just stare out of the window of our house and see the birds chirping, 
see the dogs barking at each other in the lawn, watching the plants in our garden grow. And if all of us just focused on those coffee mug moments of our life, life would be a lot simpler. Life would be a lot more beautiful. So I encourage all of you to start your day with a coffee mug and ideally a little bit of coffee inside of that mug, but more so to appreciate every drop in the morning and not just see it as a chore like those people are running to and from Starbucks every morning, but to use it as a moment in a few minutes to just enjoy the beauty that is life. That's it. Random word exercise. That was good. <laughs> that was good. So a few months ago, I went to see this rapper, Harry Mack. I don't know if you guys of course, heard of him. Of course, I love Harry Mack. Yeah, the guy who does the, the, the thing. What's that software called? He, oh, Omega. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that guy's a legend. He's the best freestyler I've ever seen in my life. I think we just witnessed a little bit of Harry Mack right here. with, with some Yeah, yeah I'm definitely not at the same level of Harry Mack. That's for sure. Emotionally, I think you are. You just painted a picture. I really was. That's great. That's really amazing. Thank you for that. Of course. So those are awesome exercises. We can actually do those. Absolutely. And the point I want to drive with the random word exercise, guys, is you don't need to be me or Harry Mack. You know, I've done the exercise 3,000 times. The key is the first 100 times you do it, you're going to suck and that's okay. You're going to look at coffee mug and go, uh, coffee is like a mug and uh, and, and you're not going to be great at it but the keys to do it a lot. It's kind of like when you first learned to walk, you didn't sit there as a baby and go, huh, am I putting my leg in the right order? No, you just fell on your ass and you just got back up and you kept doing it until you figured it out. Same thing with the random word exercise. I wouldn't overthink it until you've done it a few times. And once you have, you'll realize you're a lot better than you think you are. And it's actually kind of interesting now that I think about it, um, I mean, Alex and like other friends of ours always point out that I'm pretty good in social settings and communication wise. And I realize now it's because I normally just, uh, you know, I'm a talker. So normally I just call up friends periodically, almost on a regular basis, just random friends, just to kind of touch base and see how they're doing all the time. And less so during COVID pandemic times, just because I've been burnt out. But in the past, I've always done that. So maybe that's been my my exercise that I've done all these years that's kind of made me a little bit better. You're definitely better on your feet than I am. I think, um, you're, yeah, it's true. Uh, you got that strength. Uh, okay, so I asked you a question earlier about, um, you know, I'm planning to go on a podcast tour as a guest. Uh, tell me a little bit about your experience with that. Like just what are some of the ways that someone who's, you know, new into the world of, of speaking and what are some practical tips that you'd give other than becoming a podcast guest or how do people get out there? How do you get on stage in front of a crowd? Like what are some of the starting points that you'd recommend? Right. Of course, Alejandro. So a couple, couple of points I'll drive. So the first one is really about how to be an efficient podcast guest. What people find generally speaking is that when you're on a podcast guest, you'll generally be given the same set of questions all the time. No one's asked you my favorite color is. You're going to ask me, hey, like, what tips do you have about communication? What's your backstory? It's always the same questions. And that's okay. People aren't supposed to ask me my favorite color. It doesn't matter. It's not relevant to the audience. So what you want to do is you want to make a list of all of those questions and then reflect on them after the show is over so that the next time you answer that same set of questions, it's a lot more effective and 
the quality of those answers will improve over time. So the first time I answered, where does the fear of communication come from? Like I said earlier, I probably answered London or San Diego or something stupid. But now I have a much better answer to the question. And that's okay. It's an iterative cycle. In terms of how to get on stages, here's always the advice that has worked for me in my career. Because there's no silver bullet. I would say the biggest one is to make your own damn stage. Make your own stage. That means if you want a keynote in front of, you know, 100 people, open a Zoom call, create a workshop, and invite 20 of your friends on the Zoom call. That's it. That's all you have to do. Even I do these workshops every two weeks. Even to this day, I still do that because it, it allows me to sharpen my blade. And if you're good enough, trust me, people will come on that call and want to invite you for other gigs. I've closed a few corporate accounts just from doing my free workshop. Because people go on and they go, wow, this is so good. Can you do this for my company? And that's it. Then I charge them what I'm really worth. And that's it, right? It's super simple. It's just a lot of us overcomplicate it. Same thing with podcasts. The way that I've gotten on so many podcasts, I've probably done close to five or 600 at this point, is really easy. My YouTube channel does the talking for me. I just said people by YouTube channel, they go, oh, we should really have Brendan on the show. And that's it. And you don't need a dedicated YouTube channel either. Like one video that's really well made that explains the value that you have to potential hosts. You just got to make it an easy no-brainer for them to have you on their podcast. That's it. That's Simple. interesting. Yeah. Um, to make this also a little bit more relevant to some of our listeners, um, is there like a difference in terms of how you approach communications to a big group like you were just talking about now or to an individual that's like trying to engage an investor, trying to convince that one investor to invest in them and invest in their idea, whether it's, you know, uh, a real estate uh, endeavor or an, a business endeavor or whatever it is that you're trying to get funding for. Um, is the approach different than what you would do if you're addressing a large group? Right. So it'll really depend on what type of investment it is. So let's take real estate as an example. So I coach a lot of real estate founders on how to raise money for multifamily. And, and usually what they do, it's two different approaches, right? One is when you're speaking to a wider group of investors, you're showing them what the property is, you're showing them what the facilities are. But then you might have specific one-on-one -on -one coffee chats with people who are really interested in buying into your fund. And those conversations are a lot more different. I would say the only big difference between both of those scenarios disease is that the one-on-one -on -one is more conversational where you're asking them questions about what's important to them. Because you'll find out that some investors, especially in real estate, they don't like to invest outside of their own state, right? So everyone's different because they want to be near the properties. Other people are a lot more open to international. Other people just don't want to stay within their own country. Everyone has their own preference. So it's important for you to figure out who fits, who fits your investment criteria. But the key is when you're one-on-one, -on -one, it has to be a lot more conversational. And you could ask questions like, what's important to you and your investment criteria? What are you looking for out of this investment besides a clear return? What are some other assets that you're considering investing in as well. So just understanding that person one at a time is really what makes sense. But if you're speaking to a group, I would have a standardized pitch that makes us enticing enough to get those one-on-one -on -one coffee chats to close the deals. Very cool. Yeah. Um, let's see. So Brendan, tell us a little bit about your, your workshop. Tell us what, um, what can people expect when they go on there? You can tell us the link. And we can send our audience there too. Yeah, for sure, Andrew. So we do a free workshop over Zoom every two weeks. 
It's a 90 minute call. It's live. It's interactive. This is not some boring webinar and it's not recorded. This is live and I facilitate the call myself. So if you want to jump in on the next one, all you have to do is go to rockstarcommunicator.com and you can register for our next free training. Rockstarcommunicator.com. That's it. Simple. That's catchy. Um, let's see what else. Um, okay, so we have kind of a, a, a divergence in our audience, right? We have two different types of people that that participate. Some of them are more entrepreneurial. They they are interested in starting businesses or buying businesses or becoming real estate investors. A lot of them are already active real estate investors and that kind of thing. And then there's the other bunch, which are more along the lines of what we'd call passive investors, right? These are people with who are gainfully employed. They like doing what they're doing. Um, and they might not ever have plans of leaving their job, but they are also interested in investing outside of the stock market. So that's why they like this show. Um, what would you say to someone who might fit into that second category, more of those passive investors? I mean, a lot of the same things I think will also apply, but they might not be as um, interested in going on a podcast tour or anything. Tell us about that. Absolutely. And we coach a lot of those people too. I would say for them, the outcome is a bit different, which is it's not about growing a business anymore. It's about getting your next promotion at work, to get an extra salary boost at work, to, be, to have a personal brand. So let's take, we take the video message strategy. What we teach a lot of VPs to do is to send video messages to their own employees at the company because it creates a unique brand and helps them stand out in the org. And it makes it much easier for everyone to know who they are, which makes it way easier to get your next promotion because everybody knows, loves, and trusts you already. So that's the frame I would take. Same thing with the question drills, very applicable in day-to-day -day boardroom meetings. Because you're talking to the steering committee and people are high-level executives. You don't want to sound like this when answering questions. You want to be super concise, super to the point, crisp, so the executive goes, yeah, this is somebody who should be promoted to the next level in my company. So it's the same rules, except the way the leverage, the lever that increases your income does not come from a, an extra sale in the business. It comes from a promotion you get at work. And that's the way you need to think about it. Because if you increase your salary by only 10%, let's say you're making 100 grand a year, you go to 110 that's an extra hundred grand in your pocket over the next 10 years, right? And that's the way you need to see it. And that's the way that you want to leverage communication for maximum benefit. I love that. You know, that reminds me of, um, you know, I used to be a federal employee. And so we'd have every so often, like some of the big top positions, they just shift out, right? With different administrations or whatever. And then I remember just getting emails from random people who I didn't, first of all, I didn't know the name. And then they'd, they'd sign it and close the email with like, oh, you know, sincerely, Becky. I'm like, who's Becky and why should I care? And it, and it turned out that it was like some very important person in my chain of command. And I didn't know them. I, I could have walked right by them on the street. And I, I think that would be really practicable and beneficial. Um, yeah. That's really interesting. And incidentally, I, I, I used to, we used to work together at the same organization. Um, I also witnessed individuals who actually did what you spoke about. They published the uh, little videos and clips and commented on everything everywhere all the time. And those people all of a sudden became known as 
leaders and experts and quickly got promoted uh, up the chains um, just because they took the time to make those little communication efforts. Um, things that most people are just focusing on just putting their head down and grinding, whereas these people are actually presenting themselves out to the world. Absolutely. Well, one other question occurs to me is the idea of networking, right? Which applies to everyone across the board. Anyone wants to be a well-networked person. You want to, one of the things I've always, especially I remember before really struggling with was the idea of, hey, I know so-and-so, but then how do you get to the point in the relationship where you can call in favors, where you can kind of pick up the phone and say, hey, I need your help. Um, tell us a little bit about just general networking principles and practices that you'd recommend that go along with communication? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, you know, where I always start the conversation with is I always reframe the idea of networking because a lot of us think that you need to get everyone to like you, which I think is a really stupid way of approaching it. So here's an analogy that I always like to recommend. Let's say you meet somebody new every few days, which is very rare. Somebody new every few days for a year. So let's say you meet somebody new every three days. That might say 100 people every year, give or take. Does that make sense so far? Right, 100 people sure. every year. And let's say we live for 50 more years. So let's say we're all 30 years old right now, and we live until 80. Okay, let's just assume that for fun. Sure, just for fun. Yeah, just for fun. I so if we, if we live 50 more years, we'll be 80. So the question we need to ask ourselves is not how do we get everyone to like us, but who do we want those 5,000 people to be? Meaning that if you multiply 50 years by 100 people a year, that means you can only talk to 5,000 people in your life. So out of the 7.8 billion people on earth, you could only shake hands with 5,000. So when you ask yourself a very different question, which is who do you want those 5,000 people to be, the way that you approach networking will change drastically. You'll start asking yourself, hey, why am I still in this room? Why should I even go to this cocktail? Versus going, hmm, maybe I should approach this a bit differently. And that's why for me, networking has always been about a strategy I teach called the value list. So the value list is simply you make a list of all of the best people in your network that you already have access to and you rank them in order of generosity. You don't rank them in order of titles or of money in their bank account because I've met so many people who have hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank account, but if they don't care about helping you, it doesn't matter, right? And you rank them by order of generosity, how much they pour into you. And through that top 10 list, you make sure of a couple of things. One, make sure you introduce your top 10 to each other. That's an easy way to add value to everyone on your value list. Make sure the best people in your network know each other. Two, you should sit all of those people one-on-one -on, -one on calls and ask them what their goals are. Have a 45-minute call with them and understand what their goals are, what's important to them, to find ways to add value to them genuinely. And the third piece is make sure you know the best people in their network. That's it. That's my secret to networking. The, my best people just introduce me to their best people, and that's all the time I have to meet new people besides podcasting. That's it. And that's all you need to know about networking. I love that. That's really practicable. And I love the idea of ranking them by their generosity. That's, that's huge. That's really meaningful because they're already invested in helping you. And they're that much more likely to continue to help you. I love that. And, and I mean, you've experienced that directly too, Alex. I mean, 
you just through a contact just was able to network your way into a room with multimillionaires uh, almost overnight. Um, and which is exactly, you know, using the same strategy Brendan just discussed. Um, you picked your top network and they introduce you to their best people. That is true. I didn't do it deliberately though. No. And no. so that's exciting. <laughs> now, now we will. <laughs> I love that. I think that's a huge takeaway for all of us. Um, well, Brendan, I think we've talked about your, um, your workshop. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience or, um, or any lessons you'd like us to really make sure that we, we take away before we, we end our interview today? Yeah, for sure, guys. Thanks for having me. I would end with a question. And the question is simply this. How would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? You know, the problem with communication in general is it's always centered in anxiety, stress, nerves, and a lot of us don't even focus on the empowerment side of communication. We have business goals. We have relationship goals. We have health goals. When was the last time we dreamed about our communication goals and what we want with our communication? So I would encourage your audience to spend 10 to 15 minutes to just reflect on that question. How would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? Because it's so much more than just getting a sale in your business or getting an investor to, to write you a check. It's the way that you talk to your family. It's the way that you make friends when you travel. It's the way that you order food at a restaurant. And once you're able to really hone in on your communication skills and find a compelling reason why you want to master it, it'll be much easier for you to implement everything we talked about today. I love it. Amazing. Yeah, definitely. True. And then uh, thank you so much. It's been awesome having you on the show. We really appreciate it. And I'm going to start taking notes. And I think... You shouldn't be surprised if you see us on one of your workshops coming up soon. Both of you are always welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank Take you. care.